Hello listeners and welcome to this episode of Brain Matters, where we will be talking about one of everyone's favorite controversial topics, religion. So if you haven't gotten a chance to check out the Beacon's religion issue that comes out Thursday, September 14th, then I highly suggest you read it before you dive into this episode. Or don't, I can't technically tell you what to do. This will be one of the few times that the Brain Matters podcast will merge with the topic for the Brain Rules column, but we're going to try and cover the subtopics that are touched on in the column much more heavily here, as well as throw in some more related subtopics. So the main point I want to try and cover today is how the human species has dealt with the concept of religion over time. And by that I mean, did we create the notion of a religion, or did the presence of religion shape the way our brains have evolved and reacted to religious stimuli? So in order to start talking about religion, we need to dissect what a religion actually is, which might sound more ridiculous than it actually is. I mean, we all know what a religion is, right? Well, sure, we might have our own personal definition, but who's to say that the definition I have isn't different from the definition that someone else might have? So some people would describe a religion as a moral code that a person lives by. This definition doesn't have a mention of a higher power, so religions like Buddhism or Confucianism could be an example of this. Another definition could be describing religion as showing a devotion to a higher power. And I know for me that immediately brings up a lot more examples than the other definition does. Christianity, Hinduism, and even any indigenous religion that is based on animism. Our earliest notion of human religion can be viewed from archaeological findings. The Smithsonian.com has an article called Gobleki Tepe, the world's first temple. And Andrew Curry, the writer of the article, talks about how he visited a place called Gobekli Tepe with a German archaeologist, Klaus Schmidt. Originally, this place didn't show any signs of an area that used to be populated by hundreds or thousands of people. In fact, according to Curry, anthropologists in the 60s just dismissed any significance that this area might have. So in the early 90s, Schmidt and his team were doing work in the area after hearing about previous dismissals. And after doing some digging, they found a megalith. And if you don't know what a megalith is, it is a large stone that is part of a monument. So take Stonehenge, for example. A single pillar from Stonehenge is considered a megalith. So anyway, they find this megalith, and they get excited and continue to dig even deeper. And they find more pillars that are set up in circle-like structures. What's interesting here, and I'm getting to the brain connection soon, I promise, is that Schmidt and his team didn't find a lot of things that are associated with a settlement, like structures of houses or clay pots. However, they did find stone tools, and with carbon dating, they determined that the tools were as old as Gobekli Tepe. So Schmidt proposed a new hypothesis for the beginnings of a civilization. We would normally think, okay, a group of people settle in an area, they build houses and hunt for food, and then they might set up an agriculture system. If the civilization survived long enough, then they might develop a specific culture, which could include but is not limited to a religion. Schmidt thinks that this could be the other way around. The coordination from hundreds of prehistoric individuals to build this giant stone structure for whatever purpose, maybe a religious one, was the catalyst to start a civilization rather than the other way around. Can you even imagine that? You're in an area with like 20,000 people and you're just building something. You may not even know why you're building it. And after a while, or maybe after building the thing, you all look at each other and go, hey, let's move in together. I'm sure the situation didn't go exactly like that, but it's an interesting concept to think about, that our possible ancestors were driven by desire that may not have always been linked to food, shelter, or procreation. This 
huge lack of evidence that there was a settlement near the area. There's a huge lack of evidence that there was a settlement near the area, and maybe even evidence that religious services were taking place here regularly. Curry also noted that there were carvings on the stones, but there were things like scorpions and snakes and lions. So he thinks that while other cultures were the typical farm and fertile type civilizations, the hunters were were trying to master their fears by building this complex. This seems a little bit far-reaching, but I could see where Schmidt is going with this train of thought. So, a cover story posted by the American Psychological Association sort of reinforces Schmidt's idea that a religious belief fosters social bonding or social organization. Because of this, it has enabled us to flock to other like-minded people and form bigger groups, aka civilizations. Forming these civilizations are very important because it ensures our survivability. If we have a bigger group of people, we have a higher chance of surviving when we have to kill large animals for food and avoiding other predators. We also have a higher chance of starting a family and continuing our genetic lineage over time, but we don't necessarily have to worry about simply surviving anymore, so why are we still very attached to the concept of religion? A lot of psychologists and some neuroscientists believe that religion is our way of coping with the unknown. So think about the following questions. Where do we go when we die? Where did we come from? Do we really exist? What's our purpose? Chances are, if your morals and values are deeply rooted in a religion or spiritual belief, your answers coincide with those beliefs. So like my Christian friends would say that our purpose is to serve God and glorify Him through our lives. Practicing Hindus might say it's to increase your good karma so that way you are closer to breaking the cycle of rebirth in your next life. Depending on your beliefs, if you affiliate with an organized religion, you'll have some overlap with other people in some areas, but you might also disagree on certain topics with someone who follows the same religion or belief set as you do. What seems to be similar across all cultures, though, is that as a species, we are predisposed to believe in something. In a series of studies at Boston University, psychologist Dr. Deborah Kelman noticed that children had a tendency to describe the existence of things in relation to other things or having a different purpose. So, for instance, APA gave the example of, if you ask a group of children why certain rocks are pointy, then they'll respond, so that animals won't sit on them and break them. Or, like, why is the ocean so big? They'll say something like, so all the fish have a place to live. Adults can show these traits too, actually, but they're a little bit less obvious. We already have an affinity for finding patterns in things, and that could be a byproduct of evolution. If we notice that the fruit that we ate tastes awful and you notice mold growing on it, then you form that association. Mold on fruit equals bad. Do not eat, do not pass go, do not collect $200. But it turns out that we also try to find patterns in seemingly meaningless situations, such as seeing a bunch of dots and trying to construct a picture. There was a study conducted in 2008 led by Jennifer Whitson, Ph.D., and Adam Galinsky, Ph.D., and they found that we are primed to see these patterns in our environment. In a way, this reminds me of constellations, especially with the dot study. Constellations are essentially stars that could honestly be already dead by the time the light gets to us, which imaginary lines are in between them that we've created over time and over different ruling empires and cultures. And they're supposed to represent these pictures or stories, but in reality they're just stars. It's honestly so fascinating the way we ascribe meaning to things that may or may not have meaning initially. Going back to the point of patterns and survivability, these things like constellations and telling cultural stories as to why th the things, why things are the way they are, 
helped bring communities together and become built on common ground and beliefs. So then we take it further and start to pick and choose who we spend our free time with. Who do we want to start a family with? Because of this area in our brain called the nucleus accumbens. So our nucleus accumbens is essentially the reward or pleasure center in our brain. And whenever it's stimulated by a certain activity or thought, we are more likely to repeat a behavior in order to get that same stimulation. And it can range from eating chocolate to doing drugs. We'll talk a little bit more about the nucleus accumbens in just a minute. So now that we've talked about some of our ancestors and how they could have had an affinity towards religion, let's talk about the theory of mind and the brain regions involved in that. I talked about this briefly in the column for this week, but we're going to dig a little bit deeper today. Psychology Today's definition of the theory of mind is the, quote, beliefs, desires, and intentions which are used to understand why someone acts in a certain way or to predict how someone will act. And from the Internet Encyclopedia of Philosophy, they describe it as the branch of cognitive science that investigates how we ascribe mental states to other persons and how we use the states to explain and predict the actions of those other persons. So essentially, it's the ability to interpret an individual's state. I talked about in the article that an individual feeling depressed or hopeless could be an example. And from this interpretation, we should be able to predict how they will act. So let's use the example of having a friend who is depressed or feeling hopeless. Um, if someone has chronic depression, they might have frequent episodes of extreme fatigue or an inability to go through normal sleep cycles at the appropriate times of day. So if you're friends with someone who you know has chronic depression, and you'll, then you'll start to expect them to be really tired a lot of the time. Or if you try and call or text them, they might be sleeping or staying away from other people to internally recharge. And so you would predict that they might not pick up the phone whenever you try and contact them. Uh, so according to the study conducted at Northwestern University, fMRI images of participants' brains were taken while they were asked to think about a variety of different things, and one of them included God or their concept of God. When this happened, the fMRI machine showed that the neural network that is associated with the theory of mind, or TOM for short, was lighting up. So what are these areas? The TOM network includes several areas that are kind of disputed across different scientists, but two areas that seem to be consistently on the list is the prefrontal cortex and the superior temporal sulcus. The prefrontal cortex is responsible for higher order thinking and executive function, and is highly responsible for thinking through situations and the inhibition of impulsive behavior. The superior temporal sulcus is responsible for interpreting multiple different kinds of sensory input. So after hearing the, de the description of these two areas, it makes a little bit more sense as to why these two regions would be involved when someone thinks of God. Another statement that came out of the study was that individuals with a stronger TOM activity were, quote, found to be more religious. So future studies will probably be conducting regarding the TOM neural network and about perception of religion. Now, your view of God, good, bad, or neutral, would not change whether or not these areas are involved because you're still interpreting sensory information um, and that still happens whether or not you enjoy the concept of God or not. So that's why one of the brain regions that um, isn't always involved with the association of God is the nucleus accumbens, which we talked about earlier, because it is possible to associate God or whatever you call your choice of higher power without always feeling good about it. So coming back to the nucleus accumbens, if a person has a positive affiliation or relationship with whatever religion or belief they choose to follow, the stimulation of the nucleus accumbens is what makes the followers of that religion more likely to stay devout. 
In a study done in 2016, fMRI scans were taken of Mormons who were thinking about certain religious ritual routines that were relevant to them. Now, when the nucleus accumbens is stimulated, neurotransmitters that are associated with positive feelings, such as dopamine, flood the system. But this system can also activate while you're doing other things like charity work or if you're like me whenever you see a dog. So everything in this episode is essentially just giving evidence for the fact that perceiving and connecting to a religion or faith is more than meets the eye. Everyone can perceive even the same denomination of the same umbrella of religion very differently. And it's important to note that while those differences can be shaped by experience, they can also be shaped biologically and from an evolutionary standpoint. So for those of you who have a religion or faith that is the center of your being, for those of you who do not affiliate with a certain religion, or for those of you who are in between or still trying to figure it out, know that it's okay and that our ancestors had to deal with these same issues as well. So that's all for today's episode of Brain Matters. And if you like what you heard, share the episode with a friend and subscribe to the Daily Beacon podcast. And check back every other week for future episodes of Brain Matters. Again, my name is Anu Kumar, and I hope you learned something new today.